Welcome to Cricket Lectures podcast, where we talk about cricket, current events with focus on Pakistan cricket, episode two. I am Rufan, alongside with my co-host Jay. Hi there. So last week we talked about Pakistan and New Zealand and their cancellation of tour last minute, and we don't plan on dwelling on that. If you're interested, please take a listen to episode one. But this week, things got more interesting where England also cancelled our tour, surpassing New Zealand in yeah. ranks on bogus excuses charts. <laughs> yeah. Jay, what are your thoughts? They cited mental and physical well-being of their players. <laughs> they did tie it to the security concerns, but it doesn't sound organic. What are your thoughts on that? So I think Ramiz Raja, the PCB chairman, made a statement. He said uh, they don't feel like that when they come here for PSL. They don't have that. You know, mental well-being issue, those mental health issues when they come down here with PSL because they make more money. So I think that's that's kind of like how I feel. We also called it last week when we spoke during our first episode. We did say that this is likely the outcome, right. that England was going to follow. And that's exactly what happened. And it was easy to predict because once again, when the Western Bloc comes together in cricket, they follow each other's leads and... Cricket does have a problem and a clear double standard. And any team that is not a team of one of the four Western white dominated countries, they always have to put up with, you know, these special requests or these kinds of cancellations. It is clear and obvious now that that's the case, that this double standard exists in cricket. And that's something that international cricket has to come to terms with and actually face and, and try to rectify now, because it's, it's very obvious that the only way you can break through this systematic prejudice, you can call it, or mistreatment is if you have a lot of money. And that's India has shown that they can do that. And that's the only way to break through. So India is not affected by things like this anymore because India is such a big grab and, and a market. But any other country that is not that well off, they always have to have these kinds of limitations and they have to face this kind of prejudice. So I think I do think it's prejudice related, unfortunately. And the other reason I think it's this way is because England did not really wait at all. The wiser, the smarter, a better choice would have been for them to wait it out. Their series was still a whiles from the New Zealand series. They should have given it a little bit more time. If they really were serious, if they really did care, and if they really were genuine, then they would have started the conversation with the Pakistani authorities early and they would have waited to see if they are the same security agency, you know, the five eyes, they call them, if uh, they change their rating or provide an explanation of whatever threat they perceived that they gave New Zealand. So instead of waiting for that to change or talking to them or starting a dialogue between all of the parties involved, they just pulled out within, what, 24 to 48 hours? Again, another hasty decision, nobody involved in a conversation. And the last piece of evidence that once again shows me that there's a lot of prejudice involved in the ranks of international cricket is because this is the same England team that was on the brink of losing money when they were canceling um, tournaments due to COVID, when COVID was rampant in the UK and they 
phoned Pakistan and asked them to come and play. And Pakistan, like always, basically, yes, sir, them and came and played and saved them the money they were going to lose because of the canceled games. So that wasn't a, a threat that I, I guess they were worried about. They had Pakistan come over and begged them to come over. Pakistan helped them out and came through as they always do. But now when it's Pakistan's turn, they didn't want to give them a couple of weeks time to really consider all of the options. So really disappointing, but I'll just wrap up by saying that the evidence is pretty much all there now to know what's really going on in world cricket. There's prejudice and we really got to figure out how to move forward together and actually address it. I, I totally agree on prejudice. There's nothing else you can think about that. The the, the notion of us thinking that English-speaking teams treatment towards us is discriminatory is no longer dismissive, right? Evident by how poor the reasoning for canceling this tour is. Plans are not canceled easily at world stage events like such. Uh, the offense of breaking commitments is underrated in general life when we deal with family and friends. And we all have those friends that cancel plans. You know, we, we don't hold a grudge, we let it go, but this is uh, world stage, right? And there's always one friend who has no respect for one as a living entity and makes that lamest excuse last second and has a pattern of canceling commitments. And this is what it reminds me of. Last second, you get a text, oh, I can't make it, sorry, I forgot uh, to bat my pet shark or something like that. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, the person doesn't wanna be there. And I equate England's reasoning at the same level. You know, we are not even able to solicit a proper response is ridiculous. At least have your smartest people in the room you know, draft something acceptable as an excuse, have a round table meeting with your players or something, right? They use the players as scapegoats to pull out a series today. And uh, I was reading something this morning and players are stating they had nothing to do with this and they're not supporting <laughs> the decision. And uh, Boris Johnson also showed his concern and it's totally against it. So this is this is definitely silly to say the least. At this point, just don't even give us a reason. Just don't show up. It's it's just so disrespecting and insulting. I think the Pakistan cricket position that the chairman stated was that, you know, if you want to play Pakistan, come to Pakistan from now on. There's no more accommodation and special arrangements. I think that's good. I think that's what Pakistan needs to do. Take a stand. People who would like to play the team should come play the team like they go play any other team. Pakistan should not be expected to go to some neutral venue to host games anymore because clearly that didn't pay off and it doesn't matter. Australia is next. Let's yeah. see what they do. I know they are so far patiently waiting and I hope they will wait a lot longer to make a decision. But a part of me kind of still feels like they're probably going to lean in the same direction because I don't, I don't see the geopolitical situation changing a whole lot within the next couple of months through the World Cup. So we'll see. Yeah. But it's good to wait. And the travel advisory out of these countries has not changed. What does that tell you? How do you explain businessmen who are traveling to Pakistan from New Zealand and England and Australia in the future? How do you explain the situation? Okay, we're, we, we are concerned about your, our players, but you guys go ahead and make money. It's safe for you. It's it's yep. totally nonsense. Do you feel cricket is very political? I certainly thought that, man. But now these governments are not even backing up private entities' decision. 
So I don't know if there's some advisory from the government, they're not definitely not backing it up and taking charge of it for some reason. It certainly feels political on the surface, but it's definitely not evident by the responses that you get from the government entities after a tour is canceled. That's not what I'm seeing. I wonder how honest the governments are being, the governments that have spoken out and distanced themselves from the decision as saying, oh, the board made that decision. We are not 100% you know, in agreement with that or whatever. Yeah, that's New, that's New Zealand. England is completely opposite of that. Yeah. They, they, they actually, on live TV, we, we heard this journalist last week, very mad about the whole decision. And Boris Johnson, again, was not happy with ECB's decision. The chairman did not come uh, front on, on, on the media and he didn't explain his situation and the players are denying it and they are, they're not happy with it. So to say that they're concerned about the mental and physical well-being while your players are in Dubai playing IPL, it just doesn't add up. And it's, you can't back it up. It's just too silly to take responsibility of. Yeah, it makes me sad because when we like to think or we would like to hope that sports and politics are separate domains and they don't really influence one another. But clearly in cricket, that's a thing that often overlaps. And due to whatever political situation is arising, that seems to have an influence on how countries will behave with regards to their cricket that's clearly true and has always been true for Pakistan and India. That's why they haven't played for so long outside of a World Cup. So clearly yeah. politics is very much uh, influential in what happens in cricket. I agree. Moving on, man. Next yep. topic. So from our last week's conversation, you brought up an interesting point. ICC downgrading Pakistan-New Zealand series because of non-inclusion of DRS. Why is that important? Why, why not treat every series the same way if both teams have agreed mutually to play under you know restrictive rules or absence of drs how does it change the game and what exactly happened did, did it get downgraded to where points are not counted or were they not inclusive of on on icc charts what does that degrading of ranking of this series means and what do you think of DRS and how important it is to implement in every single match? As far as the ranking and points is concerned, I think my understanding is both are not counted toward the international rankings and ratings. Is it like an exhibition match or that doesn't count just for fun entertainment? Is that is that what it is? To me, it feels that way. They didn't call it an exhibition game because I think the exhibition game still has other connotations to it. There's other differentiating factors for an exhibition game. Yeah, I think there's like certain things that they don't have to really have in order to have an exhibition game. This was still a full tournament, but because it didn't meet the standards, basically. Yeah. What happened with Pakistan New Zealand series, the reason why they didn't have DRS is uh, um, I did a little bit of research and, and learned that the technology for DRS, which is, I think, a set of four to five really, really powerful cameras that can shoot up to 240 uh, frames per second that allows them to really view and review the footage in ultra slow motion. That equipment is not very easily available. It's very sophisticated. It comes with these fancy cameras and it comes with like workstations and whatnot they have to have on the premises. And that involves uh, signing up in advance yeah. and reserving the systems. And apparently 
somebody dropped the ball in Pakistan because the host side has to make the reservation and they, they never reserved it in time. So there wasn't anything available that could be brought to Pakistan to put in the match. I kind of looked that up too. And that was certainly the case. Somebody dropped the ball and didn't reserve. And, and it has happened to one of our series in the past too, where we didn't reserve the grounds in Dubai and ended up playing in, in Zimbabwe or something in past years. Regarding this DRS situation, they were still able to get their hands on the technology, but the people who operate the technology weren't available as well. Hmm. And, and they also abide by the same regulation. So if New Zealand pulled out their team, they would have pulled out. If they were from New Zealand or English, uh, ECB cricket or Australian private company, they would have probably bailed out the same day as well. So it's like a double-edged sword. Uh, yeah. We want to have it, but we can't have it because the operators are not available. And I also just looked it up. Uh, what happened with this uh, bilateral series? This series did not count towards the world championship qualification, right. which is the next World Cup. So if doesn't matter who won this series, they would not advance in ranking right. on the world championship, which is double standard because we, we've seen matches where the pitches weren't up to the standard and then matches still went on and ICC didn't really penalize anybody for not having the standard of pitches that we're looking for. It often happens in Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. And uh, it's it's just all tricky, man. Every time it comes to Pakistan, there's always something that's not there or is not standard. So it's uh, going back to yeah. treating third world countries differently when it comes to cricket or any other sport. It's just very insulting and disturbing at the same time. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of your question was also saying or asking whether this should happen, whether we really need DRS. Is that what you also meant to ask? That is correct. Yeah, I, you know, we've had cricket without this before. So to me, no, obviously, <laughs> we don't really have to have it. Like, you know, it's like a fancy thing. It's a nice thing to have, obviously. But if we don't have it, cricket can still go on. Cricket had gone on before DRS was introduced, just using regular replays. We've, we've had that for a while. So I don't, I don't see why this is so crucial, but I do understand that if, if they set a standard, it's almost like, you know, the rule of the game in a way, right? So if, if it's a day and night match, the lights have to be there. And if the lights are not there on the ground, then they're not going to allow the game to go on. So I do understand that certain baseline standards have to be met in order for an international game to go on these days. And secondly, it seems to matter a lot now, you know, because if, if you have DRS functionality available in your game, I feel you do have both sides have a bit of an advantage because you can review your decisions and you might not get them wrong, which I'm sure we'll get to that part of the conversation too, but it is less likely that you'll get, you know, wrongfully called out, et cetera if there's DRS available. So it does affect decisions and team performances overall. So I do feel that is an important thing. If this is part of the standards now, it should be there. I just wish there was a better system so that in general for everybody, you know, this technology was more easily available. Yeah, I think that's what it was to make it standard and uniformity of, of the game, right? So like you said, not having floodlights, you, they have to bend rules to enforce uh, these 
standard measures now. We've been seeing yeah. DRS for, for a while since the first kind of it was back in 1992, right? And it just got advanced and it should be celebrated. There was time where we didn't even have cameras or any type of replays. We've been watching it for a while, right? We've, we've seen where there were a whole frame missing when they were playing exactly. the replay run out. Exactly. And we don't have that anymore. And it, it should definitely be celebrated. And it is just appropriate where they apply this right it's not it's not like we're using technology to have drones act like fielders or anything like that right game is still played at the same skill level it just makes life easier and make makes it more interesting man why why would we complain about watching cricket and in, in 4k with an impressive uh, frame rate per second it just makes life easier and even before we had the LEDs in the wickets, right, the stumps, we were still missing frames with this ultra high definition cameras. Yeah. And now we know as soon as the light comes on, the bail is dislodged, even if it's not visibly, you know, evident. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. It, it definitely works out in everybody's favor and audience gets to take part in it. So it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think that's that's what they're trying to do when they downgrade a series, they, they just want you to have that and make that a standard going forward. Yeah, it does make me wonder though where we're headed, right? So should umpires continue to be present on the field with DRS in the mix? What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's tricky. I, I think to to resolve the on-field disputes between players, you definitely need a body there present. Whether we need it on field or or as a third umpire, that's that's questionable. Uh I mean, it would be silly to have somebody run into the boundary <laughs> in the yeah. ground from the boundary line every now and then with a whistle. That would be silly. But I think it, it does add more drama and spice to the game, right? Otherwise, we won't have these review systems, right? Everything would be dependent on technology, even though I feel like umpires do refer everything that they're not sure about. So, so the real question is, do we need two umpires on the field? <laughs> And I think we can have one on the side and give the batsman and baller more space and better visual and not have one standing by the stumps. Oh, really? That's interesting. So like you would prefer having the leg umpire, but not the main umpire by the, on the bowler's end. Right. So I would, I prefer the leg umpire, but I don't want him to do anything. Just refer everything <laughs> automatically and, and, and just be there for the, you know, so. sanity of the game. Like everybody's so, not sledging, cursing each other. Just, <laughs> let, just a body be there. Just like soccer, right? As somebody's there running among you so you don't commit a foul on purpose. I mean, cricket doesn't get physical, but it's 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 a mental sport, man. And people can get on your nerves and say things that are not appropriate and it could delay the game and you know take a lot more time. So I think there's always a body of command that needs to be presence in any type of profession, not just sports. That's an interesting point. I, I actually thought the opposite. I thought we would probably want the bowling end umpire and not the leg umpire because the leg umpire usually is the one that's not doing much. You know, they're they're there yeah, for what? They're, they're there to monitor the height of the ball to maybe sometimes call a no ball based on height or they're there to um, give input on a possible run out. <laughs> that they could see right besides that they're not doing much except you know just dodging the ball every time somebody sweeps 
And I think that's <laughs> that's about all their role is, just jumping over the ball every time somebody hits the ball. So to me, I think the bowling in umpire is more useful only because, yes, the DRS sees everything, like the, it captures the stride of the bowler and, and lets you know whether it's a no ball or not. But I wonder if how how fast that is, right? So I think it's still faster to have a person there who can see the no ball and call a no ball than to, for every delivery, somebody having to kind of replay or watch it. You know what I mean? Because unless they have some kind of radar that detects your foot hitting in front of the line or getting across the line while you're bowling, you would need some kind of a radar to kind of ping that because that only shows up in DRS as a replay. It's not like the DRS is turning on a red light every time there's a no ball. So I don't think DRS is smart enough yet to really call it right away. So I think we still need an umpire for the no balls. And I think that end makes the most sense to me. Now, the second thing is like, how good is it? There are clearly concerns about this system. Players have shared it. Umpires have shared it. Sometimes even teams have shared concerns because certain decisions went a certain way in using DRS that clearly did not look like that decision was warranted. So I know people have complained about DRS's ability to calculate the height of the ball after the bounce. I know people have complained about the reverse swing aspect of of bowling. The trajectory of the ball is not sometimes accurately captured because it's swinging in the air on the ground, but DRS kind of is calculating using a linear, you know, formula or whatever it may be. I don't know how it actually calculates the, the trajectory of the ball. Right. So the algorithm is not taking into account crazy right. factors like people's ability to reverse swing. Right. So going back to umpire, should we have the bowler umpire? The bowler umpire, you talked about the no ball. That's no longer being monitored by by the bowler umpire. They can call it if they li- if they like, but they've been relieved of that responsibility and counting the balls and stuff like that. So my point was exactly that. We don't need umpires altogether. And since the leg umpire doesn't do anything, that's how I equate the one at the bowling end. I think you should just move them on the side because they don't have anything to say, really. Because if you if you remember the Pakistan versus India Champions uh, Trophy final match, mm-hmm. when Bumrah bowled a no ball, the umpire didn't call that. So no balls are always reviewed automatically by the third umpire anyway. And, and 50% of the LBD, LBW decisions will be reviewed and they go to the third umpire as well. So whenever the live umpire is off, 90% of the time is the inaccuracy towards calling a LBW. So for the bowler umpire to stand there and not be watching the most important factors of uh, decision review, that's exactly why I think they should be moved on the side <laughs> and just just deal with the on-field dispute among players. And, and I, I, I actually think all of the technology should be DRS and live body shouldn't be making these decisions, right? So I know it does add spice and drama, but I don't think we need two popos at the same wedding. <laughs> <laughs> when one is overqualified to start up a good drama by themselves, you know? And I, I looked it up too. I think it's 98 point something accuracy with, with DRS and Skyhawk, which is 25% better than 
the live umpires historically by themselves right by that by themselves exactly so i mean that that's the other thing right first of all i think there's a big problem if we don't have an umpire on the bowlers in who's gonna hold the glasses and the sweater man there's we need some kind of a stand <laughs> we need like a coat hook over that, there then yeah that's <laughs> that's true yeah well that's just you know a joke obviously that, but that's exactly what i agree with that's all the responsibility <laughs> if they have so okay I, I i i agree yeah we do need a bowler uh side umpire just for that <laughs> you know I, I just... I'll, I'll revisit that comment it's uh you open my eyes yeah <laughs> i do feel you know 98 percent of whatever accuracy rate sounds really good but the two percent you know there are some decisions that the drs might be saying you know one one way or it's leaning toward an out and it still says that it's umpire's call Right. So even if it's 2% of the time, it can get it wrong. And that's why they leave that clause in there that it's umpire's call at the end of the day. I think it takes into account those X factors that are part of the game, the, the wind, the, the bounce of the pitch. You have to know the bounce. You know, every pitch has a different kind of a bounce to it. Every wicket has a different texture. And if the DRS is not yet sophisticated enough to really understand that, yeah. And it's using different averages of ball height to determine the height of the particular delivery in question. Well, right. we know weird things happen. You know, sometimes the ball just dips low. Whatever one spot on the pitch is like that. All, entire teams have been bowled out under 100 because the pitch in one spot was doing something crazy. So to me, I still feel that right. you need a human there to make the final decision because of even the 2% because we don't want the 2%. Like if a person is batting at 199 in a test game and they're about to get their double century, you don't want yeah. that, that person to fall in the 2%. You know what I mean? It changes the whole game. So, so to bo me, bo both are equally important and they're dipping to the right levels. So I think so. Okay. And obviously we want these umpires to be still staffed and working right and uh, uh but but we do have an inter interesting factor that there's a third empire who's 100% dependent on on DRS technology exactly. and the decision always goes up to him the only cause they're not making any longer is runouts they always go to the third empire lbw it it really depends if the batsman takes the review or the bowling side so yeah. that that makes them look worse than what they used to be historically, right? So they must be nervous every time something gets reviewed because it yeah. definitely counts against their performance. So it's uh, definitely, definitely uh, some spice and drama. And I think without it, it's, it's going to be somewhat more simplified and boring and we're not used to it. Not just yet. Maybe the next generation will be more dependent on technology and they'll enjoy it more than us, but we still have those old time, you know, taste and historic matches we've seen we still want some type of human factor involved in the game yeah i think so i think i agree with that and i think one of the pros that maybe we didn't mention before is how it has revolutionized umpiring i think it has affected umpiring in a good way i think it's made umpires better i think umpires are more careful now and and i think they're also better at sending a particular decision to be reviewed upstairs before people would even give runouts and not even bother checking they were so confident 
Right. And I think that's a problem uh, because human error is a thing. And, you know, every runner, like you were saying, every runner should just automatically go up there. You know, what the heck? We should just be very, very certain that a person was really out. And I think that has pushed umpires to make a decision more carefully and more conservative. Right. And their responsibilities have been relieved, right? So they can laser focus on important factors while the side things are being dealt with their assistants, right? That the technology is leveraged to make better decisions and then focus on important decisions over what's silly, right? Runouts, counting the balls, no balls. Technology can easily see that. We have ultra HD cameras. So it definitely makes your skill level better, not worse. And it's also taken out, obviously, things like prejudice out of the question, which is huge, man. I mean, I, I was just remembering the game where Inzamam abandoned the test at Lords, I believe, due to some concern right. with, with the Empire. No ball, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or ball tampering. Oh, yeah. Uh, allegation against Pakistani team. Yes, there was there was something you know going on. Obviously, there we'll we'll maybe talk about that game another time. But you know things like that, where personal issues, personal biases, and that umpire had a, had a history of negative decisions toward Pakistan, and the team felt, and people like Inzamam felt that this umpire has something against us, and that kind of thing has been taken out thanks to DRS. Yeah, technology definitely cross checks everything every decision you make back in the day it was like oh our opinion is it was lbw out <laughs> you can have 10 people disagree with each other but now you're accounted for every decision you make and then they leverage the technology to to analyze these empires and they also have rankings going now i don't think they had that before based on what technology how they translate their decisions at the end of the game Right. There's like apparently some kind of ratings and evaluation based on how many decisions to get right versus wrong, right? That is correct. I think uh, Alim Dar happens to be top of the list each year. He's our human technology right there. He's pretty accurate with his decisions. Yep. Shout out to Alim Dar. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Alim Dar. So everything in cricket is not bad, friends. Uh, there are some good things. And on that positive note, let's go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. Please share your feedback and thoughts and questions. What do you want us to talk about in the comments and share the podcast with friends and family. And we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,